three, two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to this week's edition <laughs> of Second City Sports Zoom Style. I am Sid the Kid, along with my co-host, Miss Lakina McGee. Say hello to the people, Lakina. Hello, peeps. Wear your mask. <laughs> yes, please wear your mask if you're living in the state of Illinois. Um, we have to do it. It's mandated because of the stay-at-home orders. It's not, it doesn't end until, at least as of right now, at the end of the month. So please take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll get through this together. Today, we'd like to bring on this very special guest, a personal friend of mine, quote-unquote. <laughs> um, she's a friend of the show. She's a friend of this show. She was in studio with us last year. She's the White Sox in-game host, and you can see her on NBC Sports Chicago with the high school lights. Let's please welcome our good friend, Miss Alyssa Bergamini. Hi, Alyssa, and happy birthday, Hi. by the way. Thank you so much. I'm starting my 28th birthday off strong with hanging out with you guys. Oh, that, that's no, very, no, very cool. And for, the, and for the record, I'm 29, quote, unquote, so that's my last call. Perfect. So. Perfect. 20, <laughs> 27 here. 27 here, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, it was an honor to have you in our studios uh, last year, Alyssa. Uh, 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 you're, you're still doing a lot of big things for the White Sox organization. As I mentioned, you're on NBC Sports Chicago and High School Lights. And you also have your own YouTube channel uh, associated with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, uh, a lot's been happening since you last appeared on our show with us last year. Last year. So tell us about how those things came about. Yeah, I can't believe that was last year. That was in July, correct? I think that was July. Yes, it was. Uh, yes. So since then, a lot has kind of happened, which is all good stuff. Um, like you said, with the White Sox, that's when we started the White Sox YouTube channel. So what I essentially am doing is I'm getting to speak with the players and really pull out their personalities in a way that the fans don't usually see. You know, we usually see them just on the field, you know, the pitchers are on the mound. We see their pregame interviews or postgame interviews, talking more of the X's and O's, the stats. And what I was able to do, and I'm so thankful that the White Sox asked me to do this, um, is like I said, kind of bring out their personalities, you know, play some kind of fun trivia games with them. And what I've learned is that a lot of the players are, they're really funny and they like to show their creative side. Um, I mean, if you think about it, they play, you know, 81 home games, 81 away. When we had baseball and they have so much time together and even so much free time while they're traveling. So I think they all just have like so, so much, you know, in their minds that um, it is like, you know, creative thinking. So with that, I was able to have a lot of um, videos with certain players like Dylan Cease, Zach Collins. We did one with Jason Benetti. So those are really fun. So yeah, that's on YouTube, the White Sox channel. Um, and then also became the host of NBC Sports Chicago on the High School Ice Show. And that has been so fun. Uh, I had two more shows left until the season ended. So we almost completed a full basketball season. But then, of course, you know, everything crumbled. So I was super bummed about that. But crossing my fingers for football in the fall, for high school sports, and for just everyone, NFL. Mm -hmm. we'd like to see anything so hopefully that'll be um, back up and running um you know in august and we'll get the show on the road with that and of course white Sox in-game host but right now just hosting from my room doing not much <laughs> <laughs> that's the same with us um getting back to the white Sox, um the, the youtube channel 
who has been some of your favorite people to talk to so far? I think the ones that maybe are not in the spotlight as much, uh, Aaron Bummer oh. is actually great. He is, I mean, they're, they're all so nice. There hasn't been anyone that hasn't been down to do this. I'm essentially like asking them to do something with, you know, not giving them any preface before. I'm like, okay, start them, sit them, send them. Pizza, tacos, whatever, candy. <laughs> and they just go along with it and they strategically think about everything, which is also something I love. They don't just like pick it really fast. They're like, okay, so I'm, I know Chicago fans are gonna get mad, but I don't really love pizza. So I'm gonna put that second, I'm gonna sit them. So it's really great how they're so open and they're, they're so honest. Uh, Aaron Bummer, like I said, um, I did one at Sox Fest with Eloy. He was really funny. That one hasn't been out yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Tim Anderson was, of course, great. He loves throwing in his own little phrases and slangs. <laughs> I love it. He was like, oh, I'm going to sit that one on ice. I'm like, I like that phrase. <laughs> and I just sit it, sit it on ice. Um, who else? Of course, Dylan Cease. He took like five seconds to answer each one because he was really, you could tell like he's a pitcher as mine. He was just strategically thinking about all the answers. Um, who else have I done? There's been so many that I should go back and watch them all. I, I loved Gilmore Sanchez. He was my very first one. and He was mm -hmm. such a great <laughs> one to kick it off with because he had such a great, he has such a great personality. He came in riding on a scooter and he was really, you know, he was like kind of messing with me, which was great. He was like, <laughs> That's your <"Sure."> for you. <laughs> yeah. So, they've all been so fun and I can't wait to get back into the swing of things with that. And I know there are a few that haven't been out yet. So looking forward to seeing those too. All right. I'll so I, I, I lo I've seen some of the videos. I, I love those uh, videos that you're, that, that you've been posting because, again, it, it, it's something because, you know, there's no baseball right now. But uh, I, I think, you know, I just feel like what the mindset is of some of these players, especially for the White Sox, because a lot of us were expected to maybe that the White Sox could very well, you know, be right there, maybe perhaps even lead the AL Central right now. What do you think the yes. mindset is for those players, the fact that they're not playing at the moment? I think they're just as annoyed as the rest of us. I know, um, you know, the ones I follow on social media, you could see that they are still working out hard. Um, James McCann, he just did an interview. It was with NBC Sports Chicago. He lives close by Ben Zobrist in Arizona. So like they've been working together. I think Ben has batting cages or something fancy that he's been using. So you know, I haven't been really able to talk to the players and ask anyone, but you can just tell the sense that they, they're not used to this either. No one is used to this. I think if anyone then, like, this is probably the longest they've ever gone without doing anything, especially growing up, playing Little League games, and, you know, then going to high school, then college, maybe skipping college, going right to the pros. So they are just as anxious. I know some are against you know, playing in certain areas without their families and, you know, playing at their home stadium and then no fans. So there's so many different layers to everything. And every day I feel like there's a new article that comes out about what is going to happen. And I kind of have been taking everything with a grain of salt because the next day it's something new. So I don't get my hopes up. Um, 
and I would be happy with really any baseball, but I selfishly would be mad if <laughs> the baseball started and then White Sox was doing great and no fans were able to see it. Like that, that's torture. That is torture to me. Yeah. <laughs> There's like good and a bad part to that. Well, the, yeah, the, I don't agree with the, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead no, 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 you go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just want to get back to your interaction with the players, Alyssa. Uh, mm-hmm. Sox fans this year, unfortunately, I couldn't make it, but I saw some of your stuff on social media and then I watched it on television. Uh, be, before the situation that we're under right now, you could tell that the energy from the fans and the expectations were at, were at an all-time high. I yeah. can't remember this such, this much excitement um, for the White Sox uh, ever since uh, the 2006 following the 05 championship season. You were there right in the middle of it. Tell us what, the, what was the atmosphere like at the new McCormick Place back in January. Yeah, I, I first off, I loved that they changed it up and had it at McCormick Place. Like you said, you could tell there was a different energy. I did the interviews. We called it the black carpet. So I was along the carpet, and all the fans were behind me. And they were actually pretty loud. And sometimes you got to, like, hype up the Sox fans. Some are, I feel, like, shy at first. They just really want an autograph from a player. So I was, like, turning around. I was like, all right, guys, like, come on. They're, like, get loud. The players are going to be walking by. So, uh, you know, I got – to interview Dallas Keuchel and like he he is just so excited to be with the organization I think that's very telling he was a Cy Young winner uh you know coming from the Astros coming from the Rangers as well so I think he kind of kicked it off and then um even with you know Jose Abreu who is a little bit more on the shy end and he he was really bringing out his personality um I love Andrew Vaughn he I asked him I'm like what you know tell me about your outfit. And he was like, oh, this is just from college. He's like, I just, I just threw this on. Like, he just is ready to play baseball. He's ready to be brought up. Um, Nick Madrigal. So all of them were so great, and they were just so excited to be there, to be alongside one another, to interact with the fans. And it was – I liked it, too, because it was two days. So everyone just soaked in the two days as opposed to the three. Usually that Sunday day lags a little bit. So – you know, who would have ever thought that would be like the last big White Sox event per se, um, you know, gearing up for the 2020 season. You know, everything was so hyped up and everyone is on a high. And now we kind of just are on pause waiting for that. But I know that when everything will get back, it'll be bigger and better than before. We'll still be excited. Well, Hopefully things will get back to normal soon. Now, I'm new to Instagram, so I started back in September, and one of the first people I followed was you. You are very entertaining on Instagram, seriously. (laughs) And I know you you like to take some road trips here and there. And there's one in particular I'd like to talk about. You were at Philadelphia watching the Chicago Bears. Uh, I I I believe it was after the game you were singing karaoke. Tell us something about that. It was very funny. That was my sister in Philadelphia. So, yeah, she, I, that is not one of my talents. I can't sing. She can sing, even though, like, she's quiet about it. She can definitely sing. So that was, um, yeah, we went to the Philadelphia game against the Bears, and everyone was like, don't wear your Bears gear there. Like, Philly oh, yeah. fans will eat you alive. <laughs> of course we're wearing our Bears gear. Why would I not? So we wore, we exactly, were, like, exactly. yeah, we weren't really obnoxiously decked out. We just had, like, a, a bears like beanie on 
and like navy apparel and jeans. Right. And the amount of people that came up to me and my sister, they were their um, insults aren't really good, so it was almost funny. <laughs> so why are you here? And we're like, I don't know to watch the bears. They just don't have good insults, and uh, <laughs> it was really fun. I actually liked the city. I don't think I'd ever want to live there, but I loved how they have um, the baseball stadium is right next to the hockey stadium, yeah. Wells Fargo. Then it's mm-hmm. you know it's like the triangle right next to yeah. the football stadium. So yeah, my sister works for United. She works in social media, so that's kind of what we do is we go to different sporting events in different cities whatever it may be. And it just worked for that weekend. Um, but yes, that was her singing karaoke after we were out all day. And, uh, and trust, me, I cannot, you know, trust me, I cannot sing either, even though I try in the shower, but that's all another issue. So yeah, really that I don't even attempt that really. You're right. <laughs> no. no, no, say this, don't worry. I'm, I'm not a good singer either. I'm, I'm just going yeah. to put that out there right now. But well, uh, make three of us then. <laughs> yeah, see, we're all, see, we're all relatable here. See, we got a lot to comment. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about your high stop, the high school, because um, you know CN one hundred. You do a little, you know, yes. you, you sound like reporting for them as well. And mm-hmm. I saw you on uh, NBC Sports Chicago doing their preps, uh, their preps uh, weekend shows before, unfortunately, uh, those shows ended. Yep. Uh, and I gotta say, uh, my Bogan Bengals were right there in, in class three A, and we probably would have made another trip downstate. I mean, we'll, we'll never know, unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, wait, what school? Bogan. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so unfortunately, you know, we'll, we'll never know there. But uh, no. tell everyone, tell everyone what, what, what's that like, you know, going to these different high school gyms and covering these games, and the, also on the football side, too, going to the stadiums, too. Right. I never thought I'd be covering high school athletics, and I learned that I actually love it. it is, I love going to the different gymnasiums. I think it's helped that I grew up. Um, you know, loving my high school. I went to Maris. So I grew up going to different high schools when I, you know, was on the cheerleading squad, um, you know, cheering on the football team, cheering on the basketball team. So when I go back to some of these schools, I'm like, oh my God, I remember vividly being here. And it's so different now. I have a total different perspective because I'm there for a professional reason. But I have loved covering high school athletics. Um, the students are amazing to interview because they will give you such a raw and original answer since, you know, professionals have media training. So you get really good answers and they, I have really good conversations with them. So started out covering, you know, football in August, did that whole season, went right into basketball. And I always think I love one sport more than the other and then I get into that season I'm like wait no I like basketball better than football football better than basketball so I just learned I, I kind of love it all um even if it's I've covered games like water polo I've done lacrosse so I'm always you know learning something new at every game I'm at no matter what team it is if they're you know in 8a or in in 3a um I always give it 100 percent and I and excited hopefully for this upcoming season because I feel like I really know the schools now and I I've learned to know a lot of the coaches um and I feel for the seniors that didn't get to finish their school year or their season so something that I pitched to NBC Sports that we've been doing on Twitter is highlighting one senior per day that didn't get to finish out their spring sport so whether it is um 
you know, soccer or water polo, lacrosse, baseball. Baseball didn't, you know, they work all winter, they train for it, and then they just had nothing. So that's kind of what I've been doing, uh, talking to a lot of coaches and athletes, and they are so grateful and so thankful for it. So that's something else if you guys want to check out. Um, it's on the Twitter of NBC Sports Preps, and we're just going to continue doing that until, I guess, the end of the school year, which would be essentially June. All right, you're listening to Sega City Sports Zoom style. Our, our special guest this week is Mrs. Alyssa Bergamini of NBC Sports Chicago and in-game host of the Chicago White Sox. Alyssa, ever since the country's been in quarantine of these last couple months, have you been watching any old White Sox games? I know NBC Sports Chicago has been doing yes. that the last few weeks. Any TV shows you've been, been watching? Uh, what, have been, what have you been watching over these last few weeks? So, of course, I've been watching all of the classics, all the, you know, Chicago sports classics. I love that NBC Sports was, you know, put re-airing all those games. I, some of the games I was too little to really appreciate or to remember. Um, I'm especially, of course, loving The Last Dance. I was born in 92, so I, you know, all that's a blur. It's not like I really call <laughs> all of it. So I love, I love watching that, seeing you know, it's, I think it's just so cool that we are from Chicago and the whole, you know, country is watching it and everyone gets to see how great our city is. Um, I worked an event with Scotty Pippen in February, so I was able to meet him and talk to him a little bit. And I, I love watching him because I feel like I kind of know him, even though I only met him once. So I <laughs> am appreciating that. Um, so of course, watching as much as I can with, you know, sports and sports highlights from what we used to have. And I also never watched The Office before and I started that. And I do like it. I'm not done with it. But it is definitely one of those shows you can kind of tune in and tune out because you don't have you can focus and then you could also like text. Uh, you can also move around. So watching The Office. Um, I don't know so many different movies I like I feel like it's been so long I don't even remember what I've watched <laughs> is anything and everything little fires everywhere I, I really liked that that's on Hulu oh uh, okay. yeah I know yeah I know what you're talking about yeah with Carrie Washington yeah yeah, I don't, yeah yeah I'm kind of over watching TV though I'm like this is <laughs> I'm done <laughs> we need to get back to work people <laughs> I know I know. I think we, that's what's killing me the most is I, I hate not working and I get out of my control. Um, so I'm just doing, you know, the best I can, you know, making something out of nothing and trying to be as creative as I can. But I think everyone is in the same boat, especially if you work in the sports industry, you're trying to use all your resources. And um, it's great that like we can do things like this, you know, thank mm -hmm. God we can have technology and we can talk to people wherever, whenever. So just, you know, taking it a day at a time, but really itching to get back. <laughs> yeah, I think, we're, I think that's how we're all feeling like that at this, at this point in time. <laughs> I yes. mean, it's been so long, like, okay, where are sports? I need well, sports. Yesterday it hit 50 days. Yeah, so, ugh. oh gosh. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, every, I think everybody's like getting restless at this point. I mean, you think of, you know, people with their kids and with their their spouses or you know or what mm -hmm. have you they're all they all are trying not to kill each other it, it's just, <laughs> just like we're at the point where oh god right 
try not to tell. But um, yes. Speaking speaking of um, the, the what you were talking about earlier, Alyssa, the mm-hmm. uh, Bob Nightingale actually uh, reported something a couple of days ago that if if baseball does come back, and we hope that it does, mm-hmm. they're going to have like different divisions, like ten team ten teams for three divisions, and the White Sox and Cubs mm-hmm. would be in the same division. The Yankees and Angels would be in the same division. Mets and Yankees would be in the, in the same division. I mean, for me, it, it's kind of really weird to have like both the Cubs and the White Sox in like one division because one of the best parts about it is that if you want to play for a championship, you want to play your inner city rival to kind of get the city wrapped up. So, yes, what do you guys think about that. I mean, it's it's wild. Like, I, who would have really ever thought that? I don't know. It could it could be a good and a bad thing. It could be interesting. I think they're just making do with what they have or trying to, you know, come up with ideas. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel if I were to have any season where the, the Sox and the Cubs would play together, maybe let's just do it now because the Sox are projected to be good. But I, I don't really know how I feel about that. It, it is strange. Sid? I think it would be, I think it would be a good idea if you, if you want to try it out, this would be the season to do it because baseball has been talking about expansion and realigning the divisions over the last few years anyway. So if you want to try the experiment, this would be the time to do it because we're living in unprecedented times. So in baseball, as we know, historically have been slow to take, to change. Look at the playoff format uh, with the wild card. Uh, memory was supposed to start the, the year of the strike in 94 and it didn't happen. So and all the other changes, uh, instant replay, they were the last of the four major sports to get it in. So uh, they've been slow to change, but they want to do something to attract those young fans like Alyssa's age and younger. This is something they had to consider and try to execute on that on those plans. Yeah, yeah, this might be, like like you guys said, I mean, this might be the, the best way to do it, especially if they're, tr- if they're trying to get maybe get 100 games in, have everybody in, like, one confined, like, area. But I think, like you guys said, I mean – having all, you know, the players separate from their families, have testing, like, pretty much daily to make sure everybody's all clear, having yeah. maybe the only people there, maybe, like, people like Alyssa who covers covers uh, baseball. So it's going to be very weird nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I was um, even speaking with my White Sox boss, my manager, on the phone last week, and we were just nitpicking and thinking about all the things that go on during a baseball game that really can't happen anymore right now like exchanging the lineup card like that's even like oh you're too close um you know the national anthem singer they have the microphone then that gets passed to someone else that's the no-no I am extremely close to my contestants when I'm with them because that's how it needs to be set up you know to be on the big Mm -hmm. screen I actually always tell the people I'm like get closer to me like I swear I don't bite like it, it just it looks better. It sounds better. Can't really do that right now. So there's just so many different layers to everything that if you really just think about it. Um, I mean, you think about even just the last game you were at, anyone when they were at a game, like I was so close to someone. I can't believe it. You know, you just, you walk through the line uh, to get to your seat, you walk through the doors, you know, you're scanning your phone, you're touching this, touching that. So it, it'll be interesting, but I'm hoping that MLB makes the, you know, makes the move first since we are who should be in season right now. I know obviously there'll be playoffs with NHL and NBA, but um, we haven't had a season at all. 
Houston. Alyssa Bergamini of NBC Sports Chicago and, and uh, uh, in-game host of the Chicago White Sox on Sega City Sports Zoom style. Alyssa, I noticed right behind you have a good collection of bobbleheads. Can you tell us uh, who are some <laughs> of those uh, figures behind I you? Want, I want more. Um, so I'll, I'll highlight some of my favorite ones. Sometimes it looks like really messy, but I swear it's not. So this is the Jose Brayu one, the Silver Slugger um, bobblehead. And he has, what else does he have? Oh, it says in the back, Silver Slugger. Like that one. All right. Nice. Mark Burley, classic. <laughs> very, very. <laughs> my mom were talking about this today. A lot of the faces are very similar, and I feel like they start with the face, and then they just mold it from there. Yeah. Some of them don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not complaining. Um, Tim Anderson, his bat broke a little bit, but there you go. Yeah, so I, I, like that I, have, one. I have a lot, and then I have a lot of, like, the giveaways. These are all my autographed baseballs. So after the season, we have an end-of-season party, and uh, we get gift bags, and there's just so many goodies in it. And you kind of just – whatever one you take, like, you don't get to see – but everyone just opens theirs and you're like, this is what I get. Some people trade, but I've been kind of lucky. I've got a lot of good ones. Um, who is this one? I have an AJ Pruszynski one. This is Dick Allen. I have Michael Kopak. I have my guy, Yomer Sanchez. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to baseball uh, memorabilia, but I'm going to keep the collection going. And I never thought that my uh, little bookshelf would uh, have so much FaceTime. <laughs> and I have a lot of interviews. So I get to see it. <laughs> well, well, speaking of, uh, Jermaine Dye and Cliff Polite, uh, the two of the members from the 05 White Sox uh, yeah. World Series champs, they actually spilled a little tea. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago did a little something where they had like a, the personnel, a lot of the personalities had like a Zoom style interview with some of the yes. athletes from various sports. Yep. Uh, so... They actually spilled a little tea I, I, uh, that AJ and Carl Evett didn't real uh, kind of almost fought. <laughs> yes, I, I heard some of that. Yeah, uh, I think I love hot... hearing stories that we never got to hear before. Oh, yeah. Like now a lot of people are telling their stories. <laughs> it, listen, it's a perfect time to do it. Yes, it's keeping <laughs> them interesting. They're like, I'm going to tell a story from X amount of years ago. Let's just do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see it, Sid? Uh, I, I, I saw bits and parts of it. So I, I think what it is is right now, one, we have a lot of time on our hands. And number two, the Last Dance documentary is it's kind of like it, it's, uh, it's this force field that is making everybody uh, tell some things that, it, that, that people have never heard before. You, you yep. Digging into some information that, that, that no one else has heard before. So I kind of feel that whole vibe is going on. It's actually great, but great. So. I have no complaints about it. Well, like, I'm sure, like, I'm sure AJ and Carla wasn't the first time they probably got into it or almost got into it. There probably was actually some fighting going on. So yeah. uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's but a lot of tips that we don't know about. Exactly. Yeah. What were you saying, Sid? No, I'm just saying there's some stuff that goes on in that club, clubhouse. I'm sure Alyssa knows uh, covering high school sports. I know high school is different from the professionals, but there's yeah. some stuff that goes behind closed doors that, that we'll never know. And, and it's always that cold of whatever happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. 
right. you know, that's tougher today, especially given the age that we're living in right now with social media. Right. I feel like before social media, a lot of people could get away with a lot more stuff. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I, I can't, I, you know, I'm sure there's going to be even more stuff coming out. I mean, the, the next two parts of the last dance is actually going to concentrate on Michael's marketing, how mm-hmm. his marketing kind of evolved. And, and today, you know, you're seeing all these current players like LeBron and, you know, CP3 and, you know, all, all these, all these guys. I mean, and we talked about it last week, Sid, that there was definitely some jealousy between some of the older players that this, this, this young player from North Carolina was getting all the shoe contracts and Gatorade, other endorsements. So they're going to dive right, delve right into it. I mean, they're going to dive into that, you know, in mm-hmm. these next two parts on Sunday. Yeah. yeah and... Go ahead, Elizabeth. No, no, no. Go on. I was just saying it's, it's fun yeah. to watch. <laughs> Yeah, and as we were talking about on the show last last week, Lakina, uh, the the part that I was waiting for, and this what happened was they talked about Dennis Rodman and how he became great with his worth ethic and the rivalry between the Bulls and the Pistons. I was really loving that. And Isaiah Thomas, uh, the the, uh, the basketball Hall of Famer who played on those Piston teams, uh, he's that he was that politician on on all these sports radio shows across the country this week. And I'm uh, trying to explain himself why he did, him and his Pistons teammates didn't shake hands. And Michael Jordan called him that word we will not use here, but uh, for not shaking his hand. So you know, those were the stories that that really interest me because um, as we talked about before, Lakina, we lived through that because we were teenagers and going to going to high middle high our high school days back then. So it was uh, for us it was really um, great to relive some of the some of those memories. Yeah, yeah my, go ahead. Nope. I should show you guys that it's hanging up in my closet, but my sister yesterday for my birthday got me a 1991 Chicago Bulls like character shirt with like all the characters on it. And I love it. And I can't wait to wear it all the time, even though I wasn't even live then, but I'm, I'm going to rep it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I mean, uh, another thing they're gonna actually going to dive right into um uh, Isaiah actually had a birthday yesterday he just turned he turned 59 yesterday you do have the oh, same birthday Alyssa yeah so I did not uh, I also have the same birthday as Michael Kopak. yeah not bad yeah so <laughs> pretty interesting birthday day yesterday April 30th but uh yeah I mean and especially the dream team thing I mean remember Isaiah was supposed to have been a 1980 dream uh, Olympic team they still had college age players but unfortunately as we all know U.S. boycotted so they mm-hmm. were not you know, allowed to compete. And so that kind of stemmed from that. Unfortunately, we'll probably never know what really kind of, you know, what really started that or what really kind of manifest. But I just wish that Isaiah and MJ would just hug it out. You guys are almost, you guys are in your 50s. You're like, you know, Isaiah, you're, you're going to be 60 next year. So come on now. Come on. I think they I like children. <laughs> it, it's crazy. Um, another thing they're going to dive into is how, I love what they did like last week that they kind of like saw you, you you know you saw what Phil kind of, how Phil kind of became the Zen master if you if you will I mean where he learned the triangle and that people forget that Phil was actually a pretty good player himself in his own right and I don't think people appreciate you know how good he was as a player as well as a coach right yeah I love that they had that footage um, from when he played I I also would love to know the behind the scenes of making this documentary. Like, I, I, I want to know, like, really, I guess, how long it took. Um, 
I know that they started this like so long ago and they had the rights or it was their last season and Michael Jordan, you know, let them in, you know, to their season to, to get the footage. But I'd love to, I think coming from like a production uh, perspective, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I, I want to, I love watching it and being like, oh my God, how did they get that footage? It's so perfect. It, everything just matches the video to the script. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Alyssa. I've been enjoying this as well. And also the music behind it as well, and all the old school hip hop songs, yes. because especially for the younger generation, rap was, was a, a brand new art form. It was making its way into the mainstream back then in, in, a, in the late 80s. Of course, it turned to full mainstream in the 90s. So I mentioned uh, artists like Cool Mo D, which one of my favorite rappers of all time, and LL Cool J and Rakim and the Beastie Boys. Uh, the soundtrack of those songs just fit the perfect time of uh, when the Bulls were coming, coming up back then during that time. Also, getting back to Phil Jackson, I, I knew some of his background, but I, didn't, I knew that he coached in the CBA before he came here to Chicago as an assistant then originally as a head coach, but I didn't know he was coaching in Puerto Rico. Some, you know, I know you coaching outside the United States, but some of those uh, um, games that he was coaching in hostile territory, one of the referees got shot for making a bad call. He still had yeah, to coach. Man, uh, it'll take some huge you-know-what to go through stuff like that. Just, uh, just, just to do your job, right? I mean, I know, that would never. I mean, that yeah. would never happen here. So right. It happened in soccer a lot, unfortunately. It happened. It happened in soccer a lot back in back in the day too, especially yeah. in the, in those countries there. Ew, like remember Venezuela during the World Cup '94 World Cup. Um, a guy had an old goal from Venezuela, and unfortunately, he ended up losing his life because of it. They, they, you know, he was killed not too long after they got back. So, unfortunately, yeah, I didn't know that either. That he coached Puerto Rico and that a referee was, you know, got shot because of a bad, what they thought was a bad call. So, mm -hmm. it's it's crazy how people take sports. I mean, sometimes, okay, yeah, you take sports seriously, but there is something as taking it too seriously. So, yeah, 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 it's just crazy. A game at the end of the day, it is. It's just a game. It's entertainment too. Come on now, right? right. That should be our new slogan, Lakina and Alyssa. That's our new slogan. It's just a game. Exactly. Exactly. We all need the game back. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> exactly. You what else, uh, Sid? What's on your mind, Sid? Um, and, and sticking on the last dance um, subject of the episodes from last week, remember we talked about uh, how uh, uh, Doug Collins was going to be introduced into the series because he was a last head coach before Phil Jackson. Well, we finally got our wish, and they had Doug Collins uh, being interviewed. And if you notice what he said, uh, the, the director asked him, uh, did you know when Phil was brought onto your staff and as, as an assistant that did you know that he was going to be a virtual head coach? He said, I kind of knew. I won't get into it, but I kind of knew that he was going to be the next head coach. They really didn't get into why Doug Collins was fired. Uh, people could do their own research why he was fired. I'll, I'll say I'll say this, uh, and the story's been out there that Michael Jordan was sick of him. That was true, but it was more to it than just that. I'll leave it there. People do your own research, but <laughs> I kind of got my wish that Doug Collins was on that documentary last week. He, he was a man of few words, at least from the clips that they played in that episode. Yeah, Very so many interviews. I, I love, I love how they just have really expanded beyond the obvious. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, you know, this is stuff that we all knew, we all read about or heard about. 
but now to see it like unfold and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and <laughs> just, just the, the old clips from like the 80s you know I, I forgot that MJ and Scotty uh that the saw uh what, what song was that said that they had that they were like say like lip syncing along to I forgot which oh one. that was cool little D's cool like me now it was, yeah that yeah. highlight like me it now was, one of my favorite yeah it was Michael Scotty uh, I think Horace was in there too, yeah, Charles Oakley, and I think Sedale Three. Sedale Three was there. I think those were the five. I think he's a little. Yeah, I think young kids out there, go find it on YouTube. It's on YouTube, yeah. So it, it's it's yeah. out there. It, it's it's just like, <laughs> so they did have a little bit of fun. Um, yeah. It also showed that how how MJ was able to kind of like you know, jump, get over that hump, and sort of beat Detroit, and how in the off season he started, you know, building muscle and. You know, mm-hmm. getting getting that grits, that that grit, that that kind of you know propelled them to have that killer instinct. And uh, I'm glad that they showed up because they people realized that this was gradual; that it didn't happen overnight. No, it didn't. And and I hope that people, especially our younger listeners and viewers, of uh, uh, realize that that hopefully they're taking it in. Like it, it takes time to build championship teams and championship contenders. Because I know that owners in today's world are impatient. They give you two years, maybe three years at that. But this was a long process for the Chicago Bulls. If you start from 87 with the draft thing, the Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen, that was, that was from 87 to 91 to their first title. Those are about good four years in, in bringing all, all the parts to complement Jordan. I just hope that fans, especially younger fans, really appreciate what the Bulls organization, in particular the late Hall of Fame man, uh, general manager Jerry Krause, did. I know, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks with Kenny, he was, Jerry Cross was set up as the villain, but I just hope that it comes around that he was a darn good general manager, not just what uh, somebody mentioned for a two-second clip and then go back to bashing him. Yes, as fans, were we upset, including yours truly? Yes, but at the end of the day, we had to give the person their flowers and give them, uh, pay them their ultimate respect. Yeah, I know. I, I do feel bad that – they were making Jerry a villain, but if you look at the big pitch, picture, he's really not. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we agree with all of his actions, but sometimes you got you got to have someone like that. It's really unfortunate that he's no longer with us to kind of not necessarily defend himself, but sort of like show that hey, listen, I wasn't this this horrible horrible guy that everybody is paying me out to be. And I think people from Chicago, even if you know, if you were too young to remember I think you realize that okay you know what <sighs> okay you know both could be true like I said said last week uh, said that both could be true I mean was he maybe a big jerk yeah but was mm-hmm. he a great general manager and executive yeah I mean both both yes. things mm-hmm. can be true yeah and and, and especially when, in people in positions like that uh, they have very complex complex personalities and with in the case of Jerry Krause he went on about his business a different way than most people around around his circle. If you remember, remember the first episode, uh, and Jerry Reinstor, the one the the Bulls owner, he was asked um, um he was at, he was asked uh, how did he get Jerry Krause? He said he was recommended by someone. Uh, Jerry Krause asked him about the job, uh, and Reinstor asked the people around the league and the people around him told him don't hire Krause because he alienates people. He has a different way of doing business. And Reinstor said. I'm not looking to hire a person for a popularity contest. I hired, I'm a hire a person to do the job, and Jerry Crest did do his job. Yeah. If, yeah, exactly, if nothing else. Uh, where do you want to go to next, Sid? Uh, I will keep it on the theme of the last dance just for this last question for Alyssa. 
uh, Andrew Shaw of the Chicago Blackhawks uh, uh, read recently said that um, he, uh, it will be interesting to uh, have uh, a last dance type documentary done on the 2015 Chicago Blackhawks, the last team to win the Stanley Cup. Two, a two-part question for you, uh, Alyssa. Would you like to see that happen for the Blackhawks? And would you like to see that uh, digging deep since the 50-year anniversary of the White Sox World Series? Yeah, I think definitely the Blackhawks. I mean, they, you know, had those three Stanley Cup championships starting in 2010. That would be so awesome to see. I know Joe Quenneville, he was um, on NBC Sports Chicago and they had the four-hour telethon show. And he was even digging deeper into, you know, those three Stanley Cups that he won and even, you know, spilling some tea as we're talking about, um, you know, and certain things that happened during that season and or those three seasons and really, if, you know, he, sometimes he was saying like, I don't know if, you know, this team is going to mesh together well and what's going to happen. Sorry, I think I just got a delivery. Oh. I'm on a call right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is Live Zoom, folks. Live Zoom, folks. Yep. <laughs> is best. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you gotta love it. My sister is actually really good about that. Uh, if I'd be like, oh, I'm going to be on a Zoom call. She's really good about it. But someone just sent me flowers for my birthday. So I think that's what she was, what she was telling me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> she works from home. I, I never bother her. Maybe I do. But anyways, <laughs> back to what you were asking me. I'd love to see a Blackhawks one. And, of course, I'd love to see a White Sox one as well. Maybe the White Sox one, not yet. I'd love to, you know, hopefully one right. in, this, in this new decade. But – That'd be great. I don't think any, anything's going to beat this Bulls one that we have right now, but they could try. And it's great if they were to highlight Chicago again. Why not? <laughs> Why oh, not? <laughs> I would, listen, I would, listen, I would love to, love to, uh, to find out, like, we saw a little bit of it when the, the, the Blackhawks were doing, like, those type of, like, mini, sort of mini shows in between games mm -hmm. where you showed, they showed them on the road and stuff like that. So we got yeah. a little bit there, but to kind of like really dive deeper. And I like the fact that uh, Coach Q didn't, didn't have like any animosity towards what happened exactly. a couple years ago. He seems yeah. to be a very stand-up guy and he do it pretty well yeah. know, down in Florida. So it, it's, it's, listen, it's, you know, he's, and I, I'm glad that he's, he's a very, he's very classy, a class act exactly. Coach Q is, so. Yes. I'm happy for that. Um, the, listen, the White Sox, I would love to see that old five White Sox. <laughs> and I really love Ozzy Guillen and just, I think he would be a, so entertaining to watch himself. That's yeah, you couldn't understand him outside the foul language, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. you need that. You gotta leave the foul language. I mean, <laughs> his, listen, that's, that's two, like two, three parts alone, Ozzy himself. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you want to go to like. Uh, <laughs> I love listening to um, his post-game interviews on YouTube. Like I can get in a black hole of that because he just got a, away with so much I, I don't know if he got away with it but he just said whatever and it's kind of refreshing to you know hear that I wasn't covering the team at that time when he was manager but I think I would have just died laughing every day <laughs> <laughs> his, his quotes alone would have like set a storm on on social media if social media was right? more prevalent now yeah. than it was then I mean Ozzy would <laughs> Ozzy would be like a social media sensation and I feel the same way when it comes to Dennis Rodman, because we all heard the story. I heard Carmen Electra on Walla and Sylvie yesterday. She was sharing a story of, of when Jordan actually had to go to Vegas and get Rodman because he yeah. was running late. Yeah. 
there, there's a lot of, um, I was thinking about that because some things were saying that he, they went to Vegas to get him and others were like, no, he was in his apartment in Chicago. So I feel like they left out that part. Like if he came back to Chicago or if he was still in Vegas, they didn't really clarify that. And then I was diving a little bit deeper into it. Um, and other people were asking the same question. So well, I don't know. Well, I think Carmen herself said that they were in Vegas because they, they said she said they went there all the time when they're when the Bulls had like off days, a lot of like time yeah. off. So yeah, so Jordan did actually because when she woke up, she said it was Michael Jordan. <laughs> Jordan was at the door trying to get Ron. Exactly. So what is it? I would do that too. Be like, hey, I gotta go to Vegas, pick someone up. Right <laughs> <laughs> what if you got paid extra for that what if that was like during like on their dime <laughs> i don't know that's a great question i wonder what that bill was like <laughs> but you guys know that dennis rodman I'm, i don't know if they're gonna bring this up uh during the remaining episodes of the documentary but uh he took his trips to vegas when they played the utah jazz those last two championship seasons back in 97 and 98 you know during their off days of uh, he went to Vegas a couple of times. So I'm mm. sure Michael Jordan, um, um, Michael Jordan, who wasn't golfing, uh, went behind the women trying not to be seen. But Robin yeah. did go to Vegas a few times during those uh, uh, games out there in Utah, during those final two championship seasons. Right. I, I, I can imagine, like, maybe if the team, if the social media was around then, I don't think the team would have been able to get away with a lot of stuff now. as oh, they, as they did. No. no, I mean, even – when um, Rodman got on his motorcycle drinking a Miller Lite that could never fly oh, nowadays. Mm -mm. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's it's a whole lot of stuff. Um, uh, we can go back to any any other championship team, uh, Alyssa and uh, Lakina. Uh, mm -hmm. Those 80s uh, Los Angeles Lakers teams with Magic Johnson, who his social media was out back then, we, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> oh, listen. Imagine we'll be the first to tell you that. Oh no, no thing. All those former players. I mean, I think I think Kevin McHale even said it with those Boston teams. It's like, no, there's no way they could have they could have handled all of this. They they couldn't have. That's why they say that. Thank God it wasn't around then. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to Second City Sports Zoom style. Joining us this week is Alyssa Bergamini, in-game host of the Chicago White Sox and of NBC Sports Chicago's High School Life. Uh, let's go to the NFL draft. Of course, it was different this year because of the state that we're in. Right now, they were supposed to be in Vegas, but that didn't happen. So it was a virtual draft from, from home. I wanted to ask Alyssa, did you watch it? And if so, uh, how do you think that the league presented the, the event? I did watch some of it. Now, I wouldn't say I watched all of it. Definitely watched last Friday when they kicked it off and a little bit on Saturday. Uh, I think they, they did the best that they could. It, it was nice to see. I mean, usually the players are with their families anyways at home. So that part really wasn't weird. I think Goodell just being in his room um, <laughs> when he was turning around and like it was the like 10 box of all the people cheering. It's kind of funny. I, you know, it's one of those things that we'll look back on in a few years, hopefully, and be like, I, I cannot believe that they did the NFL draft like that. But also, I think we're learning that we could do a lot, um, you know, a lot of things different, you know, even just doing something like that. All 
virtual technology, doing it online, it still worked. It still got the job done. So, you know, kind of fun to watch for now. I don't think it should be a forever thing. I know there's been also been talk about that um, the NFL should consider doing this a permanent thing. And uh, we talked about this last week, Lakino, that uh, yeah. uh, maybe they'll incorporate some of this into their draft coverage in the future, but they're they're going to lose some money if they don't because lose some money if they don't have those NFL drafts at at the certain locations. I know next year is supposed to be in Cleveland, then Vegas will try again in 2022. So you still would like to see them shake the commissioner's hands and and slapping uh, slapping high fives with the people in the crowd. And you like to see those fans boo the commissioner every time he makes a draft pick. Who doesn't want to see yeah. that at least, you know? <laughs> Virt- the virtual zoo, yeah, the virtual booing, you know, he, he tried. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, it just wasn't the same. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure even he knows it. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still jealous of Cliff Kingsbury's setup on his bachelor pad. I mean, I don't – I'm still <laughs> – I'm so flabbergasted about that. But uh, Anthony Lynn, who was the coach of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, said that, listen, he loved it. And I'm sure other coaches said that they, lo- they loved it. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll, maybe they'll do alternate. Maybe they'll do, like, maybe, like, some will do, like, their Zoom sort of thing. Or maybe they'll do the, um, the players live like we're used to seeing. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this because a lot of coaches and GMs liked it. I know money-wise it may not have been a good thing. Good idea, but they did they did uh, raise a hundred million dollars for COVID nineteen um, relief, so that that's one bright side. So, like I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, this is going to be very interesting because the raise were very high, so a lot of people viewers didn't mind it. So, we'll see. Yeah, it was it was kind of fun to watch um, and see where everyone lived as well. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Bill Belichick's dog just taking over. I like that he did that move. It got people and what, Yeah, and what about Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones showing off his good stuff? Uh, it's a nice job making money in that oil business before you bought the Cowboys back in 89. Showing off your goodies. Oh, the yacht. That yacht. Super, no, super yacht. That's what they call it. Oh, wow. <laughs> the super, super yacht. yacht. Wow. <laughs> yeah, super, that's what they call those. The super yacht. Uh, Mike Zimmer, and like I said, I didn't know he was a taxidermist during the offseason. Uh Brian Flores' kids so definitely stole the show, especially his oldest yeah. son, you know, doing high five. So it, it was cute. It, it was adorable seeing all the kids, you know, cheering on their dad's uh, picks and stuff like that. That was really cool. Um, listen, I mean, John Harbaugh and his GM, you know, they actually moved like right across from each other. So <laughs> there was a little yeah. moment between the two of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have, you know, that's something that we wouldn't have known otherwise. Exactly. <laughs> Anything else you on your mind, Sid? Uh, one more question before we call it a day. Uh, Alyssa, I'll start with you. Um, there's talk about now college football may not start on time, and if it does, do you bring back the students on campus? And if you do, do you start college football on time? And how many fans do you bring into the stand? Because as of right now, and we gave this example last week, Lakina, that uh, the big house for the University of Michigan you're not going to have 110,000 people in right now. You're just not. So I want to ask Alyssa, do you think that college football will start on time? And if so, uh, do you think there will be so many fans in the stands or do you think they'll work the fans in slowly? I'm trying to put myself in the scenario. If I was still at University of Iowa and there was a football game that was going to happen in the fall, um, I don't know if I would go into the game. Granted, I worked a lot of the game, so I, I was – I would still buy a lot of people, but I wasn't in the, you know, the close stands. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I wish I knew. I, I change my mind every day because sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like absolutely no fans. And then sometimes I'm like, let's just, you know, let's have an X amount of fans start with that. But I don't know really how you can narrow it down and be like, we're only going to have this, these amount of people in the stadium. Uh, you know, everyone still needs to make money and make revenue somehow. So I do think that soon they'll come up with some type of a plan, whether it is allowing only a certain amount of fans in a stadium or, you know, even having games at all. I really hope that that's not what it comes down to. I'd rather have games and I guess no fans, but also there there's pros and cons to everything. So I, you know, I, I know I keep saying this, but I feel like it will stem from what, what baseball decides because we are in the thick of it right now. So if they were to start their season, then that, you know, spills over into football season. So we'll see. Yeah, Kinnick Stadium, how, how much is the capacity? Like 80,000, 80,000 people yes, in the Kinnick yes. Stadium? So many people. And not even just that, everyone tailgates. Yeah. And you're yeah. really close. We forget to about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, forget about the tailgating. Right. Yeah. I don't even know if some colleges are, you know, going to go back to school. It seems like a lot are going to be online. Well, and since and I, we, we, we've been talking this the last few weeks we've been doing this. Um, a lot of the college towns, that's how they make their money, doing those yeah. like, those football games and the tailgate. So I heard, like, that's also where, like, the Texas A&M, like, all their colleges and universities are going to be open in the fall. They've already said it. Um, I think LSU is going to be open in the fall. So... Like I said, I think this is going to be one of those days where they're going to have to play it by ear. The NCAA and all the conferences, commissioners are going to have to get together and perhaps maybe have a cohesive plan so that they can, okay, if some schools are going to be able to open right away, okay, let's have a plan B for those schools. And the schools are going to be back to normal. Are they going to be able to open their facilities to those guys? You're already asking for trouble there. And what about the soccer teams and the women's volleyball teams? I mean, they're, they're also on during the fall season. What about them? So they're def- mm-hmm. this is what needs to figure this out. Yeah. Someone does need to figure it out. It's, I don't think it's us, but someone does. So what do yeah, you think? They're more qualified than us to make these tough decisions. So hopefully um, whoever's making those decisions, are uh, they make the best decisions for all parties involved. But as we said before, like, it has to be safety first for the yep. players and then for the, for the fans. If both those things doesn't happen, none of this should happen right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. All right, Sid, so say anything else? Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, this has been a fast-paced um, hour of great talk with our good friend, Miss Alyssa Bergamini, as always. Uh, she's from NBC Sports Chicago's High School Life and also the in-game host of the Chicago White Sox. Before we go, Alyssa, where can everybody find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at <laughs> Alyssa Bergamini, which is B-E-R-G-A-M-I-N-I. It's kind of a mouthful. And then Instagram, also Alyssa Bergamini. I also created a professional Facebook page um, instead of just my personal one, just posting more, you know, work-related content on there. So also Alyssa Bergamini. I found out when I made that um, professional profile that someone was catfishing me and I had, there was another Alyssa Bergamini out there and they were using my pictures and it said I lived in, uh, where is it? Somewhere in like Maryland. Oh my God. I hope you busted them. (laughs) I, I reported it, and then I asked other people to report it, and I'm pretty sure it got taken down. 
They used good, uh, good. good pictures of me, so at least I'll give them that. Ugly <laughs> 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 ones. We'll come get you. <laughs> yeah, so I learned that. So make sure if you follow me on my Facebook professional page, it is it is me and not the right. one. That apparently, uh, I live in Maryland too. <laughs> she teleports people. Yeah, here and there. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. I want to try to be more active on Instagram because there, there really has been nothing to do for me to post. So <laughs> unless you want me to see, see me in my you know in my house all the time, which you know, yeah. I get pretty bored. So follow, follow yeah, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram. Sid. And uh, anyway, yeah, okay. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, it's at SIDKID80. Once again, it's at SIDKID80, both on Twitter and Instagram. Alyssa, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you, Alyssa. Yeah, we got to do this again. So great to see you guys. Nice to see some new faces. <laughs> Love my family, but it's nice to see other people. <laughs> I think we all feel that way. <laughs> yeah. We all feel yeah, that way. Yeah, as soon as we get back into the studio, Alyssa, we're going to invite you back, and we're going to have a good old time. All right. Sounds like a plan to me. All right. Thanks, Alyssa. All right. Great. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. All right. And as for us, uh, we're going to be right back in a few minutes. We're actually going to have Spiro Didis joining us from CBS Sports and Turner at 1.30 to talk about you know, the NBA and how it's affecting them, also college football, and also the NFL, too. We'll try to pick his brain, too. So, Second City Sports Zoom, we'll see you in a few minutes. I am Lakina. Hey. I am here. All right. All right. We're all right. We're well, welcome back to our two of Second City Sports Zoom style right here on Zoom. I'm Lakina McGee. You can follow me on Twitter at Lakina McGee. I'm Sid the King. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sid Kick 80. Once again, at Sid Kid 80. S I D K I D A 0. S I D K I D A 0. All right, so uh, before Spiro Diaz, you know, you know, we're going to hopefully he'll join us a little, a little bit, but uh, we'll talk about the NFL draft. Um, what do you think about, about the Bears and what they did? I mean, they, they went with Cole Komet. I mean, we all kind of expected because they were going to go tight mm -hmm. end, but for, for me, it sort of sounds like they kind of follow their own playbook. I mean, they have about like 12 tight ends on their roster right now, <laughs> so it seems sort of counterproductive that they would, that they would draft him, but uh, I mean, listen, you had Antoine Whitfield Jr. still out there on the board. I mean, yeah, guys like that. So, But then they ended up with Jalen Johnson, who went healthy because he's had injury issues over at Utah. But he is, you know, he has been first, he's a two-time first-team all-pack 12 corner at Utah. So, you know, like I said, when he's healthy, he's really good. So what do you think about the Bears uh, draft? 
it looked like they went uh, defensive secondary uh, in the back end of this draft because uh, we all know that Prince of Mukamara was the free agent. They let him go, so you had to replace him. And also, you had to find a safety for Eddie Jackson uh, again. So they had to go in that direction there. Now, Cole Komet, like you said, it was a no-brainer. They need an athletic tight end. I think he's, he's going to provide them an instant spark on offense. Now, how much that uh, will Bears head coach Matt Nagy use him? We shall see, but hopefully he'll be a part of the bigger picture in, in the game plan. As far as the other draft picks are concerned, as I mentioned, they went with defense and a defensive he- heavy, especially in their secondary, which it needs a lot of help because of the departure of those uh, players I just mentioned. So, uh, like you said, they went according to script and let, let's see if, they, if most of them will make the team and they can stay healthy. So it's going to be, as we, as we talked about last week, like, it, 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 we're not going to have a traditional offseason where these guys will get to know each other and get a team camaraderie. Training camp is going to be so much important, that much more important now, whenever that is that they start on time and they're delayed about a week or two. So training camp is going to be important, not just for the best, for, but for everybody else around the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how all these rookies will be able to kind of uh, mesh and get to know each other because you got all now all the teams. Oh, yes, even the Saints, because I know Sean Payton was not very keen on it initially, but I think he realized that, okay, let we, we got to do something. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> ah, silly uh, Zoom. I mean, hello, live Zoom, folks. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like some of the picks that the Bears made. I mean, like I said before, they got they got Travis Gibson, another who's an edge rusher from Tulsa, Daryl Darnell Mooney from Tulane, Arlington Hambrick from Colorado, and also Lashavius uh, Simmons was other second seven rounder. They had they had two seven rounders. So yeah, I mean it's gonna be to see how all these rookies, you know, from all these teams are gonna be able to kind of mesh because there there are no workouts. You know, these facilities are still closed, so it'll be interesting to see how these coaches and all these new players going to be messed, especially also, and I don't think people want to say it yet, they're going to renegotiate their contracts. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more there, Lakina. Now, and also too, let's keep in mind that the rookies, I'm sure they got in their playbooks by now via Zoom or via their emails or whatever. So they, they had to work off of that. But as I mentioned before, training camp is going to be that much more important now because, you know, OTAs are not happening at least in person. Yeah, they do your workouts VM Zoom style. So uh, it's going to be a, a major adjustment period. Yeah, so um, I'm wondering, though, though before, before Spiro joins us, uh, who, who are kind of like the steals and sort of like the ones you're like, really, really? Did they pick that guy? Who are kind of your sort of those standouts? Oh, <laughs> it's really, really tough to say because, like I said, it was a deep wide, it was a deep class for wide receivers this year. I thought the Bears was going to get one of those wide receivers, and it didn't happen unless I missed something. You know, <laughs> um, New New England. I thought they was going to pick a, a, a quarterback. Uh, they didn't do it. Uh, they went with uh, other other needs on the team. So I was kind of looking at, at looking at the at those two situations there. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that the Bears decided not to go quarterback because I, I kind of feel like, you know, as they say, you, you keep drafting and drafting your quarterback until you find somebody. So I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't go that route. Uh, I mean, you know, Jake Fron, he was he was gone by the by the time the Bears got to, to it. So I don't know if that was really mm-hmm. intentional or the plan, but it, it's sort of one of those things where you say, okay, what's gonna what's sort of the plan here? I will say, uh, it's interesting. 
you know, Justin Jefferson ended up going to, ended up going to Minnesota. That's definitely going to kind of like spruce up that defense. We talked about that, that offense, I should say, because, you know, with Diggs, you know, being traded. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, a lot of the sort of the, the teams that you kind of like fill the needs, but Jordan Love, you know, that's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be an interesting uh, a twist there because <laughs> I can only imagine what Aaron Rodgers is feeling like right now. I mean, they didn't draft, speaking of not drafting wide receivers, the Packers definitely didn't draft any wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what Aaron Rodgers' mindset is. I know that they, I know that the Packers brass are probably are preparing for the future, but at the same time though, you got a quarterback that wants to win. So I'm wondering like, what's gonna, what's kind of like his mindset. <laughs> now I agree on one hand with pack with the Packers drafting Jordan Love because you have to uh, protect yourself for the future, because let's be honest here. As, as I said last week, you're not sure about that offensive line of the Packers. And number two, they went away from the game plan of let Rogers chuck it up all the time last year when they had to balance the pack of running the football with Aaron Jones. Now, on the flip side, I think Aaron Rodgers will use this as motivation. Now, how far as they take him to help the team win, I'm not sure. Now, I'm not going to sit here, sit here and say that Jordan Love's ready to take over because he's clearly not ready to be that guy yet. But if you're the Packers, you do have the draft for the future because you never know. But uh, and listening to some, some of the experts and some of the uh, Packers fans up there in our, our, our northern state in Wisconsin, um, many of the fans were not happy, but you got to think that they uh, they have to look down the road, and you, and you have to. Yes, they have other needs that we talked about on the show the last few weeks. Uh, wide receiver was one of them, and, uh, and another pass rushes to go with the Smith brothers is another one as well. So I, I, I kind of get where some people are coming from, but I don't have a problem with this pick right here, even if he doesn't turn out to be the guy. So what, he's an asset for somebody else. That's how this works. Well, and, and listen, the Packers have done pretty well with quarterbacks lately. I mean, a lot of people mm -hmm. thought that they would have to wait a while before after Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. You know, hey, look at that rest of history. He's been there for three years. Yeah, so maybe, you know, it'll be the same thing here with Jordan Love. Maybe he sits for two or three years, learn from Aaron Rodgers, and we'll see what happens. I know the Bears – I know if you're a Bears fan, you don't want that. But <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I would say maybe Arizona, I think they they, they uh, filled up a lot of needs. I think Baltimore was another one that filled up some needs. Um, let's see. I think Detroit did pretty well. I know some people were surprised at some of their picks, but I think they did pretty well addressing some needs. Um, the the, the charge. Here's another pick. surprise. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Here's another surprise to pick out and bring up. Philadelphia taking Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, be the backup uh, behind <laughs> Carson Wentz. I can only imagine what those Philly fans sounded like on their sports talk stations. Oh, wait. <laughs> but um, I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts should. Will be that guy from day one? No, not not a question. Carson Wentz, when healthy, is an MVP candidate. But I think this was another smart move by by the uh, the Eagles organization. Yes, Carson Wentz has been peanut brittle these last couple of years, so uh, you have to protect yourself it, just in case he goes down again. Uh, Jalen Hurts, as we saw last year at Oklahoma, playing in their pro style offenses, those shackles were taken off from his days at Alabama. Uh, and I think he'd be ready to step, but not to be the day, day one starter, no. But he, he'll have some experience under, under his belt. Hopefully it doesn't have to come come to that if you're an Eagles fan, but I do like that pick. He's a little bit more athletic than Dick Carson Wentz. 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, joining us right now, uh, sporting like a, a little, showed a little gray in the beard there. <laughs> Somebody we haven't done on the show in a while. Uh, you can listen, you can watch him on CBS Sports on Turner with T on uh, TNT and on also NBA TV. He covers college hoops, NBA and NFL. Spiro Diaz, Spiro, how are you? Hi, Lakina. Yeah, this is my uh, my quarantine look. Get a little grayer. <laughs> Get to uh, dress casually every day, put a baseball cap on, and uh, just hoping that this thing passes soon, like everyone else. Yeah, we all are. Sid, do you got the other? You know, what's your first question for Spiro? Uh, hi, Spiro. This is Sid here. Nice to meet you, and really enjoy your work. Um, uh, going Thanks, Sid. Through your bio, yeah, no problem. Going through your bio last night. Uh, don't want to start off this interview on the sad note, but you know, 2020 has been a crazy year, especially in the world of sports. And you were the voice, radio voice of the LA, LA Lakers during the back half of Kobe Bryant's career. Uh, he passed away back in January. Give us your quick thoughts on uh, the legacy of Kobe Bryant. Well, first of all, it still seems surreal to think that he is that he is no longer with us. That he's passed on. Um, you know, to 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 talk about Kobe in those six years where I had the the privilege of, of being able to cover the team travel with the team, get to know him a little bit on a personal level, um, really, you know, made it hit home even more. And, you know, we all saw how affected people were emotionally uh, once the news broke, people that had never met him before. But, you know, this city, especially here in L.A. and Southern California, really grew up with him. And so the bond between Kobe and this region uh, really hard to describe. And those of us who, again, were fortunate enough to know him uh, really can see the kind of person he was out of the spotlight because there was so many layers to Kobe. We all knew how great a player he was, all-time great player in NBA history. But to know him as a person and as a man really took your, your understanding of, of who he was to a different level. And, you know, what really hit it home for me, what really made it hit home for me was in his post-playing career to see how happy he was, how content he was to finally be able to put his playing career off to the side and really devote himself to his family, to his wife, Vanessa, and to the four kids. He was so content, you know, to be their spokesman, to be their, um, their supporter after they had given everything and supported him uh, during his playing career for so many years. And, uh, you know, then we learned about the other seven people who perished in that crash all amazing people in their own right. So just such a such a tragedy on so many different levels. And uh, you just hope that the families of the victims can can eventually find peace and, and some comfort. And what makes it even sadder uh, is that- Do your time with the- No, the, I think, no, the, just real quick, so, uh, what makes it even sadder is that today would have been Gia's 14th birthday. So yeah, it just- I saw yeah, that. Just keeps getting sadder, I saw that. sadder and sadder. Go ahead, Sid. Yeah, during your time with the Lakers, of course, uh, they won the back-to-back championships in, in 09 mm-hmm. in 2010. I heard a story that you gave one of your championship rings to your father, if I have that correct. Please t- tell our audience that story behind that. Well, my father is my hero, like so many of us who were fortunate enough to, to grow up and know our fathers. Uh, you know, Greek immigrant, classic story of, uh, of the immigrant, you know, coming from his home country. He came here. In the mid-80s with like 25 bucks in his pocket, uh, really sacrificed his life for our family to give us a better life and worked so hard to get into the restaurant business and, and, and open something up that would be able to support us. 
put me through college. And so, you know, my one goal was in life was just to make him proud, you know, make him feel like what he did um, was for, for his children and would really give him satisfaction. And so when I got that first championship ring, I mean, I couldn't wait to give it to him, but he still has it. So uh, shows it proudly in their house in, in Northern New Jersey. And uh, every time I go home, it's just, it's a nice little connection that we have. Uh, he was able to be in LA for game seven of that 2010 finals with Boston. I made sure as soon as that series went to a seventh game, I said, you got to get on a plane because this is a once in a lifetime experience. We were able to enjoy it, experience it together at that post-party celebration to have him there. You know, it was just, uh, took, took the whole experience to a different level. Love that. And it's such, you know, such a sweet, I didn't know that story either. So Sid, nice, nice taking by you. Yeah. To kind of, to kind of like, reporting by Sid. Yeah, he is. He's really good at that. He's really good at that. Uh, to kind of lighten it up here, uh, Spiro, uh, what do you think about all this, you know, this, this whole thing, you know, with the pandemic going on in an NBA? I mean, LeBron had to debunk a rumor a couple of days ago saying that, you know, there, there's no truth to rumor that, the season's canceled. They're, they're, gonna, they're trying to work on – there's another uh, report that came out that from Brian Woodhurst has said that they are trying to work out some type of vari variations. What do you think they're going to do? And do you think they're gonna even going to finish the season? I'm still optimistic at this point, and I think for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, I think we have to remember what happened in September with China and the whole Daryl March tweet and what a catastrophe that was financially for the well, you know, we've heard different reports of how much money the league lost in deals that were canceled by companies in China. So I think financially, the incentive is very, very strong to wait until the last possible minute before they would have to make really a, a, an unthinkable decision of canceling the season. So I think they are going to wait to the last minute. I, I think now we're starting to hear reports that this um, scenario in Orlando is starting to pick up some steam. You know, initially... The bubble city was Las Vegas. We, we know about the hotels that they have at the ready there uh, who would love to house these NBA teams and staff and everyone would have to be there. Now we're, we're starting to hear that Walt Disney World in Orlando could be, you know, maybe even more of, a, of an option. So, you know, I, I still think at this point the goal is to get some semblance of a regular season in and then obviously do what you have to do in the postseason. Who knows what that format looks like? We've seen different scenarios thrown about. But – you know, these rumors and stories that we're hearing now, I kind of equate to, you know, pre-NFL draft where people are just throwing out a bunch of scenarios and noise. Uh, let's not forget, you know, these news sites have to fill content 24-7. So uh, my, my thing to the fans would be don't believe everything you hear. You know, I think those decisions and, and conversations are, are happening behind closed doors right now. And um, I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, call me crazy. Uh, but I, I'm optimistic that they're going to have some semblance of the season. Spiro Ditas of CBS Sports joining us on Second City Sports Zoom style. Uh, Spiro, um, you worked through at many places throughout your career, NBA, NBA TV and NFL Network. Uh, growing up, uh, was, was, this your, uh, was this what you wanted to do? And if so, who were some of your favorite broadcasters that you liked to, that you were listening to growing up? Oh, man, this was my dream job, literally my dream job, you know. And I, I think it for me, I got the bug. Man, I was, I was young. I was probably just into my teenage years where I, I started becoming infatuated with what the announcers were saying when I'd watch a game on TV or listen in the car on the radio. I grew up in northern New Jersey, huge diehard Knicks fan, uh, New York Giant fan. Those are my two teams, the NFL and the NBA, were my two favorite sports. 
and so my heroes growing up, you know, certainly Marv Albert, growing up on the East Coast, anywhere really in the country, Marv was the voice of the NBA. Uh, but Mike Green was, was really someone who not only I enjoyed, but someone who I tried to kind of pattern my own style around because Marv, so great, but such a unique sound. There wasn't really much you can steal from Marv without sounding like you were, you know, completely trying to steal his style. Mike was someone who had such a great gift for calling a game. His descriptions were incredible. Um, he had a great voice. He had that great on-air presence. And radio was really my first love. And when I was growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, that's when Mike took over uh, Nick's radio. So, uh, you know, there were times I, were, I was home, but I would go into my, my mom's or my father's car and turn the radio on just so I could catch Mike. You know, this was pre-internet where you can get a call online. And so, you know, full circle years later, when I get the Knicks job in 2011, you know, the great part about that, not only the job itself, but a chance to really travel with Mike, spend time with him on the plane, on the road, really pick his brain. Uh, I've just been so fortunate to have the opportunities I've had and to get the chance to, to learn from guys that were literally my heroes growing up. So, Believe me, I mean, there are days where I really try to, you know, remind myself how fortunate I am because I think, you know, a lot of times in life we, we tend to forget and not appreciate as much as we have. And uh, I think that's one of the things that we, we should try to do now. With everything going on, you know, I think we're reminded of how fragile our lives are, how fortunate we are. And, you know, this is a good time to really hit the reset button and be thankful for, for all that we have in our lives. Well, we're thinking, well, we're thinking for broadcasters like you, uh, Spiro, because I remember a couple of years ago, us in Chicago, you, you know, were part of that magical run that Loyola had. And I've been wanting to ask you this. Sure. What was that? What was that like? I mean, you know, it's just it's just like, you know, Sister Jean and you know, that that whole team kind of just captivated the city. Sister Jean, oh my God. I mean, that no matter what I do for the rest of my career, you know, if I had to make a list of like the top 10 sports events, that that's going to be on my top 10. It was such a, to me, that whole story just completely typified what the NCAA tournament is. You know, you get one of these obscure teams, and obviously Chicago, big city, but Loyola, you know, in recent years, didn't have much of a history at the NCAA tournament in March Madness. So, you know, just to have them upset, you know, beat Tennessee the way they did, advance, and then you have Sister Jean. I mean, that was, was incredible. I mean, it got to the point where every time we showed her on camera, you know, in those moments after that upset over Tennessee, I literally had to had to catch myself because I find myself getting choked up. You know, I, I she reminded me of my grandmother. You know, the the just her her unbridled joy for those kids was it's amazing. I mean, even now I get a little choked up seeing it. So, I mean, you know, when we had her on camera, uh, we we were able to interview her at the end. Roz Gold on what I had such a great interview with her in those immediate uh, moments after that upset win, and it was. It was crazy, so emotional, but that that right there, that story with her and Loyola, to me, just that, that's what the NCAA tournament is. That's what makes that that tournament so special. You know, the the authenticity, the raw emotion of that tournament is really unlike any other sporting event we cover. And it's, it states that we were able to get that this year. I mean, you know, Sid mm. and I talked about a few weeks ago with all the stories of the various teams. I mean, Penn State, Rutgers would have went for the first time and like over the yeah. <laughs> almost yep. 30 years. So it, it's just sad that we, we didn't get a chance to see that because, you know, you just share with the Loyola team. It's just unfortunate. 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're already with, with our colleagues at CBS. We're talking about how special the tournament's going to be next year after it's been taken away from us like this. But for those kids that you mentioned, those seniors, those upperclassmen, some of whom are graduating, some of whom are moving on for whatever reason, they're not going to get that opportunity. And that's, that's tragic in a lot of ways. But, you know, what can you do? You know, it's in, in some, it, it may sound cruel and harsh, but in some ways it's kind of an early life lesson for them that, um, you know, life is not always fair and you have to kind of deal with the punches as they're thrown. But uh, I just hope that a lot of those kids that missed out this year will get an opportunity next year. As you mentioned, Sparrow, you worked with the, with the New York Knicks many years ago. Fast forward now to 2020. Uh, they have, they're, now they have changes within their front office. Uh, uh, they missed out on some players via draft or, or via free agency over the last few years. Do you think they'll ever get that situation turned around? Because they haven't had a winning season in the last five, six years. Oh, man. That's it. That's the, uh, that's the eternal question. I feel like we've been asking <laughs> that question since, uh, since Patrick Ewing was traded uh, in the early aughts. Um, you know, being at the Garden those three years for me was, was really eye-opening. You know, it's, I grew up, like I said, a diehard Nick fan and going to the Garden as a kid watching every single game, you know, a team that was a perennial championship contender. And it's just, it's amazing to me how within the NBA confines where there's a salary cap and presumably every team is on an even playing field financially, how one franchise can struggle for such an extended period of time. Um, I know James Dolan gets a lot of flack in New York from the media. And, and you know, look, when you lose that long, it's 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 deserved in some ways but you know he's really swung for the fences he's really uh he's tried to to bring in people that he thinks can have success phil jackson you know when he made that hire hindsight being 2020 when the when the move was announced everyone was on all about that you know we thought phil could be the visionary to bring some of his magic we saw his coach to the front office obviously that that didn't pan out um but, you know, I wish I had the answer to that question. All my Nick buddies, my, my Nick friends uh, in the Northeast are, are still asking me those questions. But the one thing I will say, the three years I was there, when Lynn Sanity happened, Sid, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was nice because that old energy was back in the garden for the first time. You know, that was really, really cool to see that because it had been so long. But, uh, you know, they had a tough summer free agency last year. I know they put a lot of eggs in, the, uh, in their basket with the draft. Obviously, it didn't work out with Zion Williamson. KD and Kyrie, but, um, you know, all you can do is reshuffle the deck and swing for the fences again next summer. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it, Spiro. We're, we're feeling it here in Chicago with the Bulls, so, and they just have <laughs> the, the new personnel within their front office, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I will say that the league does need the Knicks and the Bulls to be good. It's been so long, you know, and you guys remember, man, Knicks-Bulls, I mean, those rivalries were so great, and I think there's oh, been something yeah. missing with the NBA. There's been something missing with the NBA with those two franchises down as long as they've been. Well, you know, a few more, couple of minutes with Spiro Adidas here on Sexy Sports Zoom style. I actually wanted to ask you about that because have you been watching the last dance? Uh, and I think they are going to talk about those Knicks, those Knicks battles in the 90s, I'm sure, later oh, yeah. on. And do you see them maybe perhaps doing like something similar with those 2000, 2010s Lakers teams? I hope so. You know, we, we just found out that Kobe um, – you know, we actually were there, so we saw the cameras, but now it's become public that Kobe's last season in 2016 was documented. So I think a lot of us are hoping that eventually they'll put out a documentary like we're seeing now with The Last Dance. 
uh, I haven't missed a minute of it. I, I've, I have a TiVo, and I've even watched a couple of the episodes multiple times uh, just in case there was something I missed. But, you know, reliving those Bulls years, even though they were heartbreaking for me. I mean, your team just <laughs> crushed our soul every summer, every spring. So that part has not been fun. But, you know, to, to take that stroll down memory lane, different year of the NBA that, that really I think a lot of us grew up falling in love with the league because of the style of play uh, has been really, really neat. But, you know, one, one observation, I can't believe that MJ still has the, that bitterness towards Isaiah Thomas. I think that was something that was eye-opening for me after all these years and after everything he's accomplished in his career, still seems very angry with Isaiah. We were talking about it earlier. I mean, you guys are all you guys are all in your fifties. I think you're going to be sixty next year. Come on now, y'all, hug it out, please. <laughs> yeah. It's too much. Come on. They need to hug it out, but you know, Jordan's got to be the one to take the first step. I mean, we've all heard the stories of Jordan, you know, keeping Isaiah off the dream team, and Isaiah's apologized. I mean, I thought he apologized even recently before this thing happened, but uh, MJ, you know, for all of his greatness, he is a stubborn, stubborn man. That's for sure. It's interesting that if they decide to do do one of those Lakers teams in those during the two thousands, are we going to be hearing like are we going to be seeing anything new or maybe something we already knew? Yeah, I think you'll always see it. You know, because you know, as the years go on, our memories get a little dulled. You know, and I think once you relive it, it just brings back such a flood of memories. Like not only what was going on with the team, but what was happening maybe in our own lives. You know, as we were experiencing those years and those championship moments. So. I really hope, I really hope that they, they put something together because as you guys know, those Lakers teams, man, they were never short on entertainment. You know, there was bickering in the locker room. You know, the Shaq-Kobe thing was, uh, was really kind of in its infancy and developing into something that became, uh, you know, almost like a soap opera. So I think they, they may have even more content than they had with this Bulls documentary. Might be 15 parts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Sid. I want to pick your brain on the NFL, which you called the games for for CBS. Uh, one of, is not the biggest move of the offseason. It's Tom Brady um, being kicked out of New England and signing a free agent two-year contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does this, that move make them a, a, a Super Bowl contender, or do you think that Brady is just playing on his career? Do you think he has anything left in his tank? Uh, yes to all of those questions. Um, first of all, I'm super excited that he decided to leave New England. I think that that story kind of reached its climax. I mean, there was nothing really more he could accomplish there. You know, uh, the six Super Bowls and just, I mean, a career that I think will be unparalleled maybe ever in the history of the sport. I think this move energizes Tom. It certainly energizes that franchise in Tampa Bay. But, you know, think of what a great story this would be you know, potentially the greatest quarterback of all time going to the losingest franchise of all time and turning their fortunes around. I think it's going to be an unbelievable story. Um, now, you know, to, to have Gronk join him down in Tampa, I think adds a little layer of entertainment to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any part of Tom Brady's being that would allow him to just play out the string. I think he's going there motivated and to prove to the NFL that he can win without Bill Belichick because – I know they said all the right things when they parted company here a couple of weeks ago, but there's a little part, I think, deep in the pit of each of their stomachs that wants to prove that they can win without the other. Very similar to, to Kobe, you know, when, when he was separated from Shaquille O'Neal. Everyone said that Kobe couldn't win without Shaq, and he was driven from that point forward to prove everyone wrong, and I think there's a little part of Tom Brady 
that wants to do the same. Yeah, speaking of the AFC East, uh, we know, know that it's going to be a competitive division for the first time, probably since Brady got drafted there in 2000. So, And I think <laughs> right. he did a couple of their games last year. The Miami Dolphins, I like their new head coach and Brian Flores. I think that team is headed mm. in the right direction. Now, as far as playoffs are concerned, I'm not so sure about that yet. But what do you think about the direction of the Miami Dolphins? I love Brian Flores. We had a chance to do a couple of Dolphins games, like you said. We spent a good amount of time with him. Um, man, everything about him makes you want to rally around your coach. You know, grew up uh, in, you know, maybe the roughest section of New York City in Brownsville, Brooklyn, same town where Mike Tyson grew up. Um, just a really hard upbringing. And he is such a hardened, determined guy. And I think if you think of everything that the Dolphins experienced last year, you know, the, the first two weeks of the season, they got blown out. I think the, first, the, the worst two-week stretch of any team in the history of the league, I think they lost by like 100 points. And people are already talking about Brian Flores, you know, maybe being in over his head. Then all the tanking talk, you know, people were saying the Dolphins were losing on purpose, got off to that 0-7 start, finally broke through. But to see that team from that to the end of the season, how well that they finished, I think is a testament to Brian Flores. I think he is determined to have a very long, successful coaching career. And I really think now you're starting to see that franchise molded in his personality. And I think that's a very, very good thing. I give, I give their owner, Stephen Ross, a lot of credit. He's got a lot of money, but he really believes in hiring the right people and empowering them to do their job. And I think the hierarchy that they have in the front office uh, with Brian Flores as well is, uh, is a very sound foundation that they've built. And keep in mind, one thing about Brian Flores, people forget, he started in New England's scouting department. So not only can he coach, but I think his eye for talent is something that's underrated. And I think you're going to start to see that now with the players that they've drafted, not only this year, but last year as they start to pan out. And they end up getting Tua, so they have to take too much for him. Yeah. They end up getting their guy. So that exactly. <laughs> you got to love how that worked out. Um, you know what, Spiro, we got to do this again. I mean, this has been so much fun. Uh, we just want sports again. I think we all, we all can agree. We want sports again. This has been too boring. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're all done. I haven't put a pair of real pants on in about seven weeks. I want to, I want to get back to work. I want to put a suit on and then, you know, get back on a plane and start calling action in person. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, you know, if nothing else, I think this will make us appreciate what we have and how, how impactful sports are in all our lives. It really allows us to make a living and, you know, have some really, really great moments. All right, bro. You, you you definitely kind of told told some of the stories and some of those moments, and you know we gotta get you again soon. So this has been great. Again, Spiro Diaz from CBS Sports and Turner. Thank you so much, Spiro. We gotta do this again. My pleasure, Lakina. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, you have a good one. You guys be safe. Thanks, guys. You too. Be safe. We'll talk soon. All right. Absolutely. All right, as uh, Sparrow departs, okay, Sid. Speaking of a speaking of a guy that kind of went through um, sort of a interesting background, uh, Mark Eversley, who is now the new Bull GM. If you if you read Mark Spears's um, column on the undefeated, that he has a pretty interesting upbringing. Both his parents were from Barbados. He was born in London. Ended up moving to Canada. You know, play basketball at uh, Urbana University, not 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 Urbana in Illinois, but Urbana mm -hmm. University in Ohio, which is in the IA school at the time. Ended up going, uh, ended up you know being hired as a junior uh, salesman at Nike. Worked his way up, 
and then ends up going into the NBA, you know, most loosely with the Sixers. And you listen to his presser. I mean, he lost his brother, unfortunately, when he was very young, as he was starting to kind of work through the ranks of, in Nike. I, I think the Bulls made a good decision. I think this shows that AK, this is going to be a new, there's new sheriffs in town. There are new people coming in. What do you think? Uh, I'll look at it from two aspects. One, not to get too deep with it, but we all have challenges and circumstances and adversities that we all have to overcome in our lives. I don't care what, excuse me, what situation you grow up in. It's not where you come, not not basically where you come from, but what you do with those opportunities. And so you have to attribute that to Mr. Eversley. So congratulations for him getting the job, first of all. It is well-deserved. I hope he does great things here. Uh, number two, I... It, it, we're seeing more and more in our workforce, especially in the sports world. Uh, hopefully the NHL, if you're listening, you can pick up on this. It's not just about the person's skin color that you hire, but they also have qualifications as well. And, and the NBA has always been an inclusive league to a lesser state, the NFL as well in Major League Baseball. But the NFL, um, the NBA rather, has been in the forefront of including other uh, other ethnic groups and African-Americans in particular because we're 70% of the league as far as players are concerned. And so uh, the, uh, the Bulls are moving in the right direction. Yes, it looks nice, not to be offensive here, it looks nice on paper, but uh, just hopefully you know, they're allowed the same rope as their white counterparts to do their job and giving equal opportunity to do their jobs. I, I, I just hope that is uh, given here in Chicago, which I think it will. I just hope that it, it turns out to be um, going back to not, not of course, back to the glory years of the 90s, but to get this thing back on track, to be, become a respectable organization again, a respectable franchise, because it hasn't been that way over the last uh, several years, especially since Michael retired from, uh, retired from the Bulls in 98. Yeah, and they actually, a couple of days ago, they actually was the anniversary of D. Rose's Terry's ACL. I did, I did not need to see the... Uh... The replays, I know you avoided too, Sid. So, I mean, yeah. this is, <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark's had the franchise and he changed his career. So, yeah, I know absolutely. he's still playing now. He's still playing now. I know uh, he was playing for the Detroit Pistons uh, this season. Yeah. Actually, looked good. He was a borderline all star. But when that injury happened, you just knew that, of course, all the drama and the behind the scenes stuff followed, which made it even worse. Yeah. You get into all that. You no. can look <laughs> it up themselves. But, but uh, it really changed. From the Bulls could have stolen the championship until now being a mediocre team at best be, because of the injury. The Bulls pulled all all the eggs in one basket to uh, in in intervals, thinking that this hometown kid was going to bring the Bulls back to prominence. If he wasn't injured, he probably could have done it. Because yeah. He, uh, he was, they, the Bulls left him to that number one pick, and remember it was between him and Michael Beasley, and it was it was an obvious choice that. The Bulls were, uh, um, they were, they were going to take Rosen. I'm, I'm glad that they did. But the injury just changed the course of his career. You know, he's still playing in the league, but it really changed the trajectory of that franchise. Let's hope that uh, AK and Mark Eversley can uh, definitely help kind of shape it because at, at Mr. Eversley, you know, he has a, a good background. I mean, you know, he worked with Steve Nash when he first came to the league and also Vince, Vince Carter as well as some other players currently. He you know, worked under uh, Elton Brand, who's become who's become a, a top GM in his own right. So hopefully this will lead to probably getting some of those top three agents to come to Chicago. Because as you see from the last dance, mm -hmm. unfortunately, the, the, the Bulls have had that, that, that bad reputation. So 
hopefully this will this will turn the corner a little bit. Yeah, I'm rooting for those two gentlemen both. So hopefully they can um, bring the right players in here to make the Bulls getting back, uh, getting the Bulls back to where they're supposed to be as a a contender for championships, uh, and more importantly, being uh, being a respectable franchise. This has been so much fun, Sid. I mean, it, it feels good not being able to have to do all the talking for the cha- for a change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like what we do, but like you say, if you bounce your stories and ideas off of other people. Uh, this this what makes what we do that much fun, you know, because we can sit and talk all day, which is good at times, but you know, you start running out of ideas. You you're saying the same things, it, it, it then it's so not silly. fun. Exactly. So. Oh, this, but I, I can't complain. This has been a great episode this week. Uh, thank you once again to uh, our, our friend of the show, Miss Alyssa Berger Media from um, the Chicago White Sox and NBC Sports Chicago. And thanks to uh, Spiro Diaz from CBS Sports as well. Uh, one of the best play-by-play men in the country. Uh, check him out on CBS during the NFL season and doing college basketball. I'm glad you asked him the question about college basketball because that was one of the questions I had down on my notepad. I don't know if you can see it, but it's already upside down. But but I was going very to great about, school, uh, very great school with that uh, composition book there, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Shout out to the dollar store; they still sell them. Yes. Uh, but uh, but I, I was going to ask you before you did about the uh, missing out because he's one of the voices of of March Madness. So I was going to ask him like, where, how disappointing uh, was he that that he didn't get to call the games as you brought up uh, the the Loyola tournament uh their run for the tournament a couple of years ago we like like we talked about many weeks ago looking uh we missed out on dame potentially having that run bradley here yeah. in chicago when they won their first tournament game the the final line the first time in about five six years they got back in the tournament so because they won a game or two uh, going on the surprise one so it's unfortunate that in 2020 we didn't get to see that uh, in college basketball and like i said Rutgers. i mean i think Rutgers, their team was built to probably go on a yeah. nice little run and um mm-hmm. Dayton, a lot of people, people probably felt Dayton could have went to the Final Four. I mean, Obi Toppin, you know, Anthony Grant, who was yeah. there during those uh, Florida teams that I feel like don't get their due, but again, that's a whole other episode. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, it, this is unfortunate. Uh, you can tell, I think Spiro feels a way like, like the rest of us do, that we, we did get a chance to see those big runs. Who could have pulled up an Oleola-type run, but... Yeah, I mean, this has been a great episode, and we'll we'll dive deep into you know Eversley, and maybe will will Jim will Jim Boylan still be the coach by the time we reconvene next week? We'll see. I mean, things to be kind of be accelerating here. Yeah, it's, and we'll get into this more next week as well. May, and maybe baseball is coming back. Maybe the NBA is is coming back. Is not if is not if but when. So we're still going to have a lot of stuff to talk about, and hopefully we can bring up more guests to help us uh, uh, navigate through, through this um, through this uh, trying time. But we're all going to get through this together. And so uh, even though it's been a challenging time, uh, it's been fun doing this, Lakina. So I, like I said, I love doing this. This is what we uh, got in the business for, to do stuff like this. And we're just going to keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. We have to. We got to. Exactly. You know, we got to make, listen, this is what we do in Chicago. We got to make it do what it do. So. Exactly. So uh, you follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena underscore McGee on the Insta. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidK80. Once again, at SidK80, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can read all of my articles on weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-A-G-A-L radio.com. And you can listen to the Dean Davis Show 
and our show, Second City Sports uh, War on Anchor, that kicks you over to Spotify and wherever you download your podcast. Podcast. Make sure you download Dean Davis the Sports Show, Dean Davis the Flip, and Dean Davis the Sports Show, and Dean Davis the Flip, and Second City Sports as well. Make sure you check out Dean Davis their latest interviews. They had with Dion Miller of ABC7 Sports Chicago. Hope we get on this program soon. And Luke Connells from Fox 32 Chicago Sports. Those were great interviews. Please check them out on our podcast pages. And you can check them out on YouTube as well. Make sure you search for the Dean Dave Show on YouTube. All right. So for Sid, I'm Lakita. We'll see you guys next week. For more Second City Sports Zoom style right here on Zoom. Hopefully we'll have another guest or two. This was a great show today. Mm-hmm. And uh, stay safe out there, guys. And Illinoisans, wear your mask. It's mandatory now. So uh, <laughs> stay safe, guys, and wash your hands. Stay at home. Holla! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, go. I love it. Okay.